Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. The Penguin Max West event in Los Angeles is just around the corner. Come meet the team and learn some great magic at our fantastic workshops. Nick LaCapa will be teaching some real-world levitation techniques. I'll be teaching my Zero to Card Sharp workshop, and Dan Harlan will be on hand to give you a crash course in rubber bands. Speaking of Max West, our interview this week is with Max West headliner John Bannon. Nick LaCapo stops in to talk to me about our other Max West headliner, Paul Vigil. But first, Sean Dunn stops by the podcast to tell me his top five mentalism products in under five minutes. Sean Dunn, thanks for dropping by the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, you have released a bunch of mentalism effects over the last few years, so I thought it'd be really great to have you in and give me your top five mentalism tricks in under five minutes. Yeah, these are the five that are probably most influential um, and also some of the best values that I've seen. Uh, number one, these are all in, in, in no particular order. Fair enough. Let's start with number five then, uh, even though this is in no particular oh, okay. order. Uh, well, well, hit, hit me with number five. Well, number five is is the, um, it's kind of a boring pick, but the Penguin Mark decks. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, there's just, so much strong mentalism you can do with those. Yeah. Yeah. And you can read the, the marks from far away, I like. You can read them from all angles. And the fact that uh, when you buy a, a, a brick, you're getting them at $5 a pack. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's huge. So you can use the Mark deck as your regular deck, which I don't think has ever been done before. No, you know, and the thing I'll also say is I use the different colors for different areas, right? Uh-huh. Like I use red for close-up, but I use blue for stage because sure. I can actually see the marks for farther away and more clearly on stage with the blue because it's higher contrast. But those mark decks are great for that. Yeah, and at $5, and with uh, the gimmicks that are included, they're really useful. Mm-hmm. It's just such a smart project to do. It, it, I'm surprised it took so while, uh, such a long time before someone thought to do it. But. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Hit me with number four. Uh, number four is probably, should be number one, but I, it's number four on my list. Again, no particular order. Uh, 13 Steps to Mentalism by Corinda. Oh, book, that, yeah. it's a solid book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of that. Um, particularly, I just like the writing. It's just uh, very clear mm-hmm. how uh, everything is done. The subjects are really cool. Some of the drawings are really cool in it. Um, and then... You know, just seeing some of that old or reading some of that old mentalism kind of made you wonder, like, what this you, you could see the state of mentalism during that time where, you know, there was a lot of publicity stunts mm-hmm. and and things like that. So you can always draw back to that book for in, inspiration and uh, just the methods are just so strong. I mean, there's just you, there's a lifetime worth of uh, magic and mentalism. Just yeah. in that book. The, uh, it, it should be on every magician's bookshelf. Yeah. Let's, let's move it right along. What's number three? <clears throat> number three is probably the gimmick that's been mo- most important to me um, and, and probably the gimmick that's responsible for kind of turning me into a little bit uh, more of a lazy magician is uh, Cypher. And I only say that because it just makes everything so easy when you're performing mentalism. Yeah, I mean, and there's, especially because it's different sizes, so you can like put it, you can slip it into a deck of cards yeah. or like put it in the back of a book or in a in a notepad. I mean, it, as an impression device, it's super valuable. And it's like, it's, it's not as messy as like carbon paper from the past. And the fact that you can reuse it, you know, thousands of times makes it fantastic. Yeah. And it's the most reliable. And I, I think like one thing that I've always found that was kind of cool, if you use it in a card box, 
uh, because it comes with a dry erase marker, sometimes even the dry erase marker is in, in a Sharpie marker, mm -hmm. they can write on the box and wipe it away. Oh, yeah. So in their in the, in the uh, spectator's mind, there's just absolutely no evidence that it ever exists. Um, and there's a lot of cool uh, presentational ideas you can do with that. That's but a really great tip so for good. anyone who's using yeah. Cypher right now is to definitely use it with a dry erase marker, yeah. the dry erase marker version, so they can wipe it off the box. Let's, let's keep it going. Then. Uh, those are these are all really great so yeah. far. Uh, number two, uh, number two is uh, a Penguin product that was produced not too long ago, uh, the Mark Paul Live Act. Um, I chose this because it's uh, a full entire act that uh, I have seen people learn and go out and perform. Even people that are just kind of new to magic, mm -hmm. uh, but. It's some. It, to me, it's a. It's one of the most amazing products I've seen because, for the price of a lecture, which is I, um, I, I forget. I think it's forty dollars. Yeah. And I should know that, but <laughs> uh, you can buy an entire act that is good enough for any professional to use on cruise ships. And, oh yeah. And large venues, corporate. Like it's such a good act. It's a the, very good act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you. You could use that for the rest of your life. It's only $40. All of the uh, props are easy to make. It carries in your suitcase. I mean, it's just so much good about that. And it's every single piece of it is just completely fooling. Uh, Mark Paul, the live act. The first uh, Mark Paul Penguin Live is really good, too. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, but uh, the act is, like, so cohesive and really ties it all together. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a real act. It's like... You're just for the entertainment value of watching the show, you learn mm -hmm. a lot, but then when you learn the secrets, they're like pretty mind blowing secrets, too. So, all right, hit me with number one. Uh, this was the first mentalism product that really got me into mentalism. Uh, it's Richard Osterlin's LNL uh, Mind Mysteries DVD, oh, but it's the first yes. one called The Act, yep. and uh, the act is it's five tricks i think on it but they're mm -hmm. all just super heavy duty uh crowd pleasers everything's just really strong richard's magic is is so strong and and he's so good with a a real audience um as we've seen oh yeah our, we've had yeah. him in here a couple of times and just like he just destroys he murders people. people yeah <laughs> well sean thanks so much for yeah, joining no for the top run run five all right thanks He's been a columnist for Linking Ring and Genie Magazine. As an author, he's produced critically acclaimed books like Impossibilia and Dear Mr. Fantasy, as well as blockbuster effects such as Twisted Sister. John Bannon was in the P3 Magic Studios to talk card magic, publishing, and the amateur's contribution to Conjuring. Now you get to join our conversation. John, thanks for sitting down with me. I, uh, I wanted to talk to you. Was, I've re really had a great time talking to you the last few days, and you keep calling yourself an amateur, which is... Well, yeah. It's interesting because I've I've never thought of you as an amateur, uh, but I, I guess the that definition is different for everyone. Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. By amateur, I mean I don't do this for a living. Mm -hmm. I don't get paid to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't seek out jobs in which to perform. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean I don't perform, and that doesn't mean I don't really like what I do. I mean, you in your Penguin Live Act, you really you really laid out a professional set of amateur magic that you can do anywhere. And I wouldn't even call it amateur magic, but it's that an amateur magician could do if someone threw them a deck of cards and just said like, Hey, can you do this? I mean, you go from a shuffled deck to a four aces and a Royal flush in about 12 minutes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Is it a professional set? Yeah, a professional could do it. It's particularly designed so that if someone hands you a deck of cards, mm -hmm. you can go right into it and, uh, and, and have a fairly impressive series of card tricks. Um, I think, so you wrote Card Corner for IBM for 18 months? Yeah, a long time ago, like in the early 90s. Really? Yeah. Was it that long ago? How'd you get involved in that? Because that, that seems to me an interesting way to participate in the magic community at large. Because I think that there's actually a lot of what we would classify as amateur magicians who actually contribute in huge ways to the magic community. Oh, I agree. I, I actually think a, a lot of the real innovation, in, at least in card magic, mm -hmm. which is my, my um, area, uh, comes from amateurs because yeah. they're not doing the same tricks over and over and over again. They're playing. They're looking and, for that new thing. And and play is the thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And as far as the card corner goes, I was in Chicago at the time. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I knew some of the people who were in tight with the linking ring. Mm -hmm. And the guy who had done it had just passed away, mm -hmm. so that so the position was open, and so I uh, I signed up for it. As it turns out, that was sort of ill advised, mm -hmm. as I was just also starting my my uh, law career at yeah. the same time. So I just didn't have the time to do it, and so we but, passed it on to Tony Econ. Yeah, and so you you got involved in that, and then but you were still amateur magician at the time. Had you written any books at that point, or? Yes. When I was in law school, I had already written uh, Impossibilia. Okay. And, uh, and then while I was there, Smoke and Mirrors came out. Okay. Okay. And so that's like 90 and 92. Okay. And uh, those are very well received, which, which I'm you know, grateful for. No, absolutely. And Dear, Dear Mr. Fantasy was one of the first like real magic books that I bought. It was Expert Card Technique and then Dear Mr. Fantasy were my first two books. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I, I really dug it. But they're, but you're writing these books as an, as an amateur. And I think that a lot of people sort of like look at books and authors and they sort of get a perception in their head like, oh, this guy's a full-time working pro. And that's where why this stuff is so amazing and so awesome. And that's just not the truth with you. You put together a beautiful collection of card magic that is still, you know, coming from an amateur. And as you said, that's where that's where some of the greatest magic comes from. Well, that's where the innovation comes from. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, dear Mister Fantasy was uh, was a, a very interesting project for me. Really? Well, because I was I was finding my voice as a mm -hmm. writer. Yeah. And uh, and uh, coming to grips with the level of detail, how much trick, how much theory, mm -hmm. how much, uh, you know, storytelling. And uh, uh, and I did the whole thing by myself. You know, mm -hmm. I wrote it. I, I published it. And uh, um, so it was it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that, too, was very well received. And uh, in fact, probably even more than the first two books. How did you come to decide to write your first magic book? I mean, you were sitting there creating. Did someone ask you to do it, or did you just decide, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna write these things down because I see other books and this this also belongs out there. Well, there's a lot of that. Um, when I first started creating tricks, mm -hmm. I was in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. and hanging out with people like uh, Larry West, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I, they actually had a little publishing company, and I put out a small booklet called um, Mirage. Oh. Okay. And then, um, 
that was ex that, and then it became the time of desktop publishing, where it, oh, the all of a sudden it became easier to publish books. Anyone can do. Can, it's now accessible to anyone who wants to do that. That's right, and uh, and some people came in and and really filled that gap, like mm -hmm. Richard Kaufman, yeah, and L and L, and uh, so. Uh, Impossibility was with L&L, &L and, mm -hmm. and uh, Smoke and Mirrors was with, was with Richard. And did you write uh, uh, Impossibility and then submit it to L&L, &L, or were you and L&L &L already talking and then? Well, I wrote it and then submitted it really? to them. Yeah, that one. Smoke and Mirrors was the other way around. It was yeah. like... At yeah. that point, you were already sort of established as someone who was creating interesting things and teaching uh, in an interesting way and, and a good writer. I mean... I've read quite a few of your books, and they're they're better written than a lot of the magic text that, that I come across. <laughs> well, you know, I am a lawyer by trade, right? And I also so say this knowing full well that I just slagged off a bunch of my close friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, writing is 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 a, a lot of what I do in my profession, mm -hmm. but I but I actually enjoy that part mm -hmm. of it. I mean, I really enjoy sort of communicating with someone who isn't actually there right now, mm -hmm. but will be once they get the book and start reading it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I get and all the other thing is is I get to talk about the things that are important to me. Yeah, you know, it's not just tricks. It's, yeah, there's some theory going around. There's some construction issues, and and to me, that's that's a large part of the fun as well. So um, that, that's why I write books. And I said this in Miss, Dear Mr. Fantasy. I write a magic book that I would want to read. I think that's really important in any project you're doing is that it's not just like, oh, I want to put this information out there. You should make it so that you want to look at it. I mean, that, I mean that's, that's the way I lecture. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like I lecture the way I want to see a magician lecture. Yeah, I agree, and I and I do that too, and uh, and I have some very definite ideas about lecturing as well. <laughs> but sorry to interrupt, but this week's podcast is brought to you by the Paul V Hill Live Act. Nick Lacapo stops in to tell us about this awesome lecture. Nick, I've been editing these uh, lectures from London, and uh, you were out there filming with a whole bunch of people, weren't you? Pretty lucky. Uh, we get to f do all these really fun trips and projects. I mean, they're a ton of work, but we did go to London recently and we went to the Magic Circle and we got to film Juan Tamariz and Lu Chen and Babel and Roberto Giobi and Paul V. Hill. Oh, Paul the and, Paul V. Hill one must have been incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd read all his books um, and this is the first time I got to meet him and hang out with him. And see him perform. And th this is uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Because if, if you're out there, you're watching Penguin Live and you enjoy these things, Paul's show and lecture is more than worth your attention. Um, because not only is he like a fantastic performer, but he does tricks that you probably have in your drawer. Uh, I'm, and not it's stuff that don't even require a gimmick, like uh, Red Hot Mama or like Fast and Loose or Skinner's Three Card Monty, Hundy 500. These are types of tricks that you'll see in his show. And it's just refreshing to see somebody actually perform them. Properly is not even the word. It's just like put them in, in a show theatrically that makes sense and makes and really showcases the strength of these tricks. Because these are all strong tricks that uh, we, we might have like neglected over the last few years. He really know? takes stuff like that and puts the work in. It's incredible. Yeah. And scripting and where he stands and why he stands. I mean, and to watch him teach, he's just a fantastic teacher. 
it, it, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't review lectures very often, but if I could, I'd give this one, you know, 10 stars just because I, I go back to it time and time again. And he's going to be at, uh, I'm excited because he's going to be at our next convention, Max West, uh, here in 2019. So oh, that's going to be so much fun. Seeing Paul do a show and a lecture is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. If you're out there, you got to see him. Come check him out. That was the Paul V. Hill Penguin Live Act, available for download at penguinmagic.com. And now, back to my conversation with Penguin Max West headliner, John Bannon. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I do that too. And, uh, and I have some very definite ideas about lecturing as well. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah. And what makes a good lecture to you? I mean, when you sit down and watch someone lecture, I mean, to me, I like to see uh, individual effects and then the explanation. And I know not everyone lectures that way. I know some people will do a show and then we'll go through and explain the whole show. Uh, right. And which has its own merits. But And, and it's probably more suited for a, a professional. Yes. Yes. Um, I do trick explanation, trick explanation. But mm-hmm. where, I, where I'm a little bit different, is, I think, mm-hmm. is uh, it is my opinion that for any given trick, only about a third of your audience is interested in it. So true. So the idea is to get through it, give that third what they need to know, Mm -hmm. and then go on to the next trick and try to get a different third. Yeah, So because some people, I can see it where people like, they go, oh, I'm never going to do this, and they immediately check out, and then they might miss the thing that they actually do want or they are interested in because they've re-engaged the moment that topic comes up. Right, right. And the other thing is, is uh, with trick explanation, trick explanation, I like to cover a lot of material mm-hmm. just for that reason. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really don't like to see in a lecture is someone who spends the whole hour and a half on like three tricks. Yeah. Um, because that's more of a workshop format. And if you want to be in deeply involved in that stuff, that's fine. But if you're sort of like for a, a large group of people, you want to have a lot of different material for them. It seems well, that's like. right because uh, you know it's a self-selecting group. If, mm-hmm. if, if there's only th- if there's three half-hour tricks, you know you need to be interested in those, and, mm-hmm. and hopefully you get a chance to choose them. <laughs> um, but if you're there to see a lecture, you should cover the waterfront oh, yeah. and uh, and show them different aspects of the way that you work and the way that you think, mm-hmm. and and give them something they can use. So. Uh, Speaking again to this amateur magician mindset, where do you find a lot of, where are you performing most of your magic? I know in, in your live acts to, uh, yesterday, you mentioned you wait for someone to ask you to do card tricks and then, you, right. and then you wait for them to bring you a deck, which I think is so, like now they're definitely going to want to pay attention. <laughs> exactly. You, yeah. know you, you know you got somebody yeah. who really wants to see If <laughs> someone had to run down to Walgreens to buy a deck of cards, they, they want to see a show. Yeah, exactly. So where, where else do you find yourself sharing your magic? Well, when I first started out, I did tables at a bar. Oh, really? In D.C. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's, so you, you haven't always been an amateur. You've done professional. Well, you work. know, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I got paid for that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I did. But uh, and then and also while I was in D.C., I would do the occasional someone would put together a, a, a gig where they needed more than one magician. Mm. You know, so someone would ring you up and go, hey, you know, yeah, I know can you're you good. do this on this day? And yeah. I said, yeah, sure, I can mm-hmm. do that. And um you're a practicing lawyer now, though, and which probably takes up quite a bit of your time. Oh, yeah, it yeah. does. And I'll tell you a story. When I moved to Chicago, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to perform 
as a magician doing tables at a American Cancer Society um, okay. event. And so I, I go to the one table, and there's Governor Thompson, mm-hmm. okay, which is kind of cool. And I go to the next table, and there's the managing partner of my law firm. <laughs> and he goes, I know you. And, and I decided right there, I didn't want him to think he wasn't paying me enough money or yeah. anything like that. So that's, that's when I, I, I finally decided that I really don't, yeah. don't want to do this professionally. I had a day job before... I got before I came on with Penguin, I was working for a manufacturing company. And I remember about eight years ago, I set a very hard and fast rule because I would have I have companies call me frequently. Go, hey, can you work our party? Can you work this? And I said, if they do business with my company, I will not perform at their event because I didn't want there to be any sort of impropriety, any double dipping, anything like that. You know, and I was trying to build my own practice, you know, my own magic practice, my own magic business, but I, and I was missing out on a lot of stuff, but it definitely helped me sort of separate my day to day and my extracurricular activities. And I think that's interesting that you had the same experience. Yeah. And, and, and as I progressed, as the time passed, I, uh, I, I chose not to let the magic move, uh, move over into my professional life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you're not doing uh, McDonald's aces around the office. No, I am not. And I'm not performing at the drop of a hat now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even tell people that I'm a magician. Okay. And, uh, but then, you know, word gets out over 20 years mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, at the end of a big case where we all go out and celebrate, yeah. and, you know, if they ask me to do tricks, then I will. Yeah. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, that's, that's very different than being like, I, you know, hey, I just downloaded the the, the latest, uh, you know, Nick Lacapo release, and, and and then just rushing into the into the break room to do it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now there are I have friends who are the other way. Yeah. They they actually wear their magic on their sleeve, mm-hmm. and they and, uh, and and they're not averse to to doing magic tricks at work. Mm-hmm. And some of them. If they had the opportunity to do it in court, they probably would. So. <laughs> I would be very interested to find out how that would affect uh, yeah. the way a case goes. Uh, you know, yeah. if the if the silk is red, you must acquit. Oh, look, it's blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, different strokes for different folks. You yeah, know what I mean, it's like knock yourself out. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, I mean, you know, I think that that really does it for us. Thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks for having oh, this conversation. I went by quick. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I appreciate it. No, and thanks for sharing all the magic with us yesterday in the live act. That was really great. There was some really interesting stuff, and especially the downloads we did, uh, there was a couple of like moves that I had never seen before that I played with all night cuz I'm going to I'm going to incorporate them into my work. Well, that's good. I mean, it's always good to, to learn something. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of why we do this. That's part of the fun, yeah. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks again to John Bannon for stopping by the podcast and thanks to you for listening. We are a weekly podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to hear all of my interviews with your favorite magicians. If you have any comments on this week's episode, be sure to hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. Also, be sure to register for the Penguin Max West and come hang out with me at the evening jam sessions and be in the audience for our first live podcast recording. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. From me and everyone else at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. (laughs) 